Good morning. How's everybody doing today? You ready for a great Sunday? That wasn't very convincing. There, I like that. Well, welcome. We're in part three of our series, Miracles. And wow, we've been seeing God do amazing things in our church. I've heard stories. Three people are excited about it. Um, at the back on the left side, there's a prayer board and then a victory board. And I started seeing today two have moved from the prayer side to the victory side. So if you put prayer requests back there and they've, God has answered those, please move them over. If you haven't put prayer requests back there and you have one, put them up there. Uh, God is doing some special things. At the end of service today, we're going to have a time where you can come and be prayed for. Uh, we believe that, that God does miracles. We believe that God still heals. We believe that there's power in the name of Jesus. And so today, as we kind of start this message, uh, next, next week we're doing a Mother's Day thing, but I think we're, we may have one more of these, but take notes on the back of your bulletin. There'll be a spot where you can take some notes. And really, a miracle is when God steps into the natural and does something supernatural that defies all human ability and understanding, even science itself, that God created science. Isn't that good that God created everything that we see, that we hear, that we can touch? It came from God speaking. And really the purpose of these miracles that God does is to glorify himself. To show the world that, hey, I'm not just saying it, I am doing it. Isn't that good? Putting his power on display for everyone to see from the very beginning of time all throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament is this amazing story of God doing miracles in people and in other elements of nature that he created. Imagine, you, you see this incredible miracle, Moses standing by the Red Sea, and people think he put the he put the staff down, but you know what? He didn't do anything with the staff down. He put the staff up, and guess what God did? It wasn't because of some staff. It was because of God's power. He opened up the Red Sea, and God's people walked on dry ground across to the other side. That is a miracle. Those who were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt walked to their freedom because of a miracle. Amen? Today, I believe that there's some people in here. I love the word that Pastor Mark used was bound. Some of us are bound today. And I believe that God wants to give you freedom in your life. We think of miracles. Really, I, I see these miracles, and we're mostly talking about miracles in the New Testament and um, in the Gospels. And really, there's seven types. And here's, here they are, so you can kind of see them. I'm just going to quickly walk through them. I've walked through them every week for you. They'll be up there, all the colorful ones there. Number one, he fed 5,000. He fed thousands of people. So he had the feeding of the 5,000. He had the feeding of the 1,000. That was a miracle. He cast out demons, out evil spirits. That's the one we're going to talk about today. You're like, oh, no. It's in there. 
It's in the Bible. Three, healed the blind, deaf, sick, injured, and infirmed. Number four, turned water to wine. Number five, and I'm going to be talking about that one next week, turning the water to wine. Number five, controlled the elements of nature. Number six, allowed Peter and his, and his crew to catch a surprisingly large catch of fish. And then seven, raised people from the dead. And you know what? All seven of those are still um, happening throughout the world. You're like, uh, I don't know, Pastor Landon. Yes, they are. So we're going to talk about the, the second one today. And so why don't we stand up for the reading of the Word today? I'm going to read it. Will you kind of look along with me? And this is where we get our text today from Mark 5, 1 to 8. It said, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of his feet. No one, no one, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the Most High? See, the enemy knows who Jesus is. What do you want from me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? In God's, name, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Can we bow and pray for a moment? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the word. Thank you for this amazing interaction that you had, that you allowed us to see a couple thousand years later to encourage us, to show us that there's freedom, to show us that you're still doing miracles. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Have a seat. You may be seated. Look at this. We've got a great group of people today. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey. Turn to your second choice and say, sorry. Do you know, before we get to the all this message. Do you know that God is still doing miracles? All the time. He really is. And you know that when Jesus said, hey, I'm going away, I'm going to, but I'm going to send you my spirit. And then the Bible also says that Jesus said, you will do greater things than me. And then the first week we talked all about this. We see Peter and John going up to the place of, to the temple for the time of prayer. And they were showing up and there was a, a man who hadn't walked. And they said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I'll give you. What did he say? In the name of Jesus. And guess what? The man went and ran around. He's like, I'm free. 
I'm healed. And everybody recognized him because he was the guy that was always at the gate called beautiful. Jesus can still do those things today. And we need to have the faith that he will. And we need to have the confidence that he will. Last week, we had the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years, she was ostracized by her community. People didn't want to have anything to do with her. When she walked down the street, they walked on the other side of the street and said, unclean. And she caught up with Jesus and just touched the hem of his garment. And he wanted to make sure she knew it wasn't because she touched the garment. What did he say to her? Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith in Jesus. He didn't have to say in me because he's the one who healed her. But her faith in Jesus healed her. Your faith, church, in Jesus will heal you. She had been dealing with this for 12 years, though. So, yes, miracles, signs, and wonders will happen today. They'll happen tomorrow. They'll happen 12 years from now. All we have to do is have the faith, knowing that God will heal us. So today, I want to talk about this crazy story. Imagine being there. This man was known all over town, too. They tried to subdue him. They tried to chain him up. And guess what? He broke the chains. Like, this was the crazy guy in town. He would, be, he would cut himself. He lived among the tombs. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be anywhere near that guy. He was possessed by not a demon, but demons, plural. And we're going to learn a bit about that today. So write this idea down first. Number one. Demons, notice lowercase, I just kind of play on, did it work out there? Yeah, it did. Demons are real, but Jesus and his followers have power over them. Church, Jesus has the power over demons. Guess what? Jesus gave you power over demons. A lot of times we're like, well, I don't want to even think about this. This is weird stuff. I don't, listen. There's a reality in our, in our world. Demons are real. But God gave us the power to deal with those things. And some people wouldn't preach on this. Like, I don't know if I want to get into all this stuff. I believe that God gave me this word today for you. Amen? That, that we, need to, we need, as a church, we need to hear about this. Because there will be a moment where you're going to have to go up and say, come out in the name of Jesus. Yes, demons are real. They're around today, and we are not afraid of them. Jesus says, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Jesus has authority. And if you are a follower of Christ and you've received the Holy Spirit, guess what? Now you have the authority as well. Not from anything you have done, but what has been done through you, your salvation. You can pray 
and miracles can happen. Things like impure spirits will come out. Um, I love that, uh, so we're, we're going through the chosen. It so happened to be like right at the same time where uh, Jesus, uh, in the gospel of Mark, he sends out the 12 disciples. And he said, you go out and do, and I think it was almost like a, a trial. Like this is what all of the disciples are going to do one day. But hey, go out, don't take anything with you, and go out and heal people and cast out demons in my name. And so guess what they did? They went out. They did exactly what Jesus said. And guess what happened? People were healed and demons were cast out. Church, who are now the disciples? You are a disciple of Christ. And God, and Jesus, so when, in Acts, when he went away, he, he gave you his Holy Spirit He made the Holy Spirit available to you. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Okay? Let me explain it this way. This isn't in the sermon, okay? Because I think some of you are kind of like, I don't get it. And that's okay. That's why we come to church. We want to learn. We want to grow. Okay? Back in the Old Testament, where was God's Spirit? Does anybody remember? Say it really loud. Yep, the temple. The, the, the what would you say, Monsieur? The Ark of the Covenant, right? We read, and that was where his spirit was. And guess, guess who could go in there? The high priest, when? Once a year, that's it. So imagine one person could go in to where God's spirit was, and if they went in at any other time, they would die. Now, there's some disconnect between man and God at that point. And then God sent his son, Jesus, and he went to the cross. And at the moment he, he died on the cross, what happened? There was a veil that tore from top to bottom, which means God started it. He tore it from top to bottom. And now, guess what, church? We can have relationship with God without a priest, without a high priest, without going into a confessional booth, because any believer who calls on God's name, who's saved, can have that relationship with God. And now, his spirit is not in a building or in a box somewhere. Guess where his spirit is? And guess what the Bible calls us? The temple of the Holy Spirit. His spirit was in the temple, a physical location. Now, guess what, church? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? What if we thought about that more often? Wouldn't we treat this temple a little bit differently? Wouldn't we make different choices? Wouldn't we make different decisions with our life? If we, oh, yeah, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever I go, God is going. All right, so we had to clear that up. We had to make sure we knew that. So here's what it says. So we're going to go down in the story a little bit further. Look at this. Mark 5, 12 to 13. It says, they went out and preached that people should repent. 
Oh, I'm, I put the wrong scripture in there. I'm sorry. I put the wrong chapter. So just take that one off. We'll get to that in a minute. So this is what I was talking about earlier when the disciples went out. It says, they went out and preached the good, the people should repent. Verse 13, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is what I was talking about a few moments ago. So the disciples went out. This was a, I would call this the trial. This was discipleship 101. And now we're into discipleship 2.0. That when Jesus, when Jesus resurrected, he came and told his people, Go. He didn't give them a time limit. He didn't tell them to stop. He just said, go, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's us. No, no, pastor, that's just you. You're the only one who does this stuff. No, we are not Catholic. No, I'm serious. It's all, it's the disciples. We are the disciples. We're, we, we go out. So let's, let's get back to the story. So this man was possessed by demons. What's the, what does possessed mean? It means completely controlled by an evil spirit. All right? So today, I possess this phone. I can do whatever I want with this phone. I can throw the phone I could download whatever apps I want. I could take any photos that I want or videos. I could do a selfie. Right, everybody ready? Behind me here. Right, I can do whatever I want with this phone, can't I? I possess this phone. This man was possessed by evil spirits. They had taken over him. Look what it says, Mark 5, 5. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. He was possessed night and day. This was an ongoing thing in his spiritual self and his physical body. So here's the question today. Because a lot of people have asked me this question. I've had this question before. Can Christians be demon-possessed? Can Christians be under complete control of the enemy or a demon? You want to know the answer? No. I don't believe so. Isn't that good news? Because if, if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we can't have two people running our life. So if we are controlled by demons or possessed, we are not following Jesus yet. Because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit when we do follow him. If we're true believers, we're full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, what harmony can there be between God and the devil? Right? That's in there. It's in the New Testament. How can we share our home with two? We shouldn't be. And I think in our culture, we try to, and God doesn't want to have anything to do with it. 
right? We're one step in the world, one step in church, one step in the world, one step into our Bible, right? We're like, well, that's okay. Well, the Bible said it's not okay, but let's just try to, let's just try to like be on the fence a little bit. Here's the second idea. This sermon is going to be all over the place. Is that okay? I hope you're tracking with me. Normally it's clear. Look at this. Number two, the enemy wants to change and confuse us. Listen, if you were in war, if you've been in the military before, guess what the military wants to do to their enemy? Confuse them. They want to pretend they're going to be over here when they're actually going to be over here. Right? That's why the Allies won in World War II. We confused whatever word you want to use out of them. Right? And we won. In the first eight verses, I, I read earlier, Jesus and the writer Mark are referring to this person as a man three times. Okay, you tracking with me? Him, H-I-M, five times. This is just in eight verses. He, five times. His, three times. That's a total of 16 times he is referred to as a male in the ever-popular word everybody wants to use now, pronouns, 16 times. That's impressive, isn't it? But check out what the demon-possessed man's response is in verse number 9. Look at this. Then Jesus asked him, after referring to him, the writer and Jesus referring to him as 16 times as a male, look what he, look what he asked him. He said, then Jesus asked him, well, then what's your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. The enemy wants to change you. The enemy wants to confuse you. They want, the enemy wants to confuse your kids. The enemy wants to confuse our world. The enemy wants to confuse our culture. He wants to do whatever he can to mess with our mind, our spirit, our body. And now the arguments are just so crazy. The enemy came to confuse us. He wants to take our sight off of God. He wants, us, he wants to give us different names. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were not their names. But guess what? They show up in a different country, and they start changing their names. The enemy wants to change you. The enemy changed him. Maybe it's just... Little words here and there. You're this. You're not good enough to do that. You're going to fail. You're not a good parent. You're this. You're that. And then if we allow that voice in, it takes root and it starts to grow. Here's what it says in 1 Peter about this. 
1 Peter 5.8. It says, be alert and sober of sober mind. I think a lot of times we're sleepy, aren't we? We're like, we're like cell phone. I call them cell phone zombies. We were driving on 27 one day, and this person had their cell phone connected to their, like, windshield, and she was literally driving and just staring at the phone. I have a video of it. I'm like, Tara's like, you're kind of like being a hypocrite. You're videoing this person driving, looking at their phone, and you're videoing. I'm like, well, I'm still kind of looking at the road. But they're just like, like, she stared at her phone for 45 seconds and never once looked over, never once Look to her right or left. We are cell phone zombies. Right? And then everything on, half of the stuff on there is garbage. The enemy loves it. Because it gets us off of God. It gets us off of the things of God. So he says, be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around. I want, to, I want us all to say the next word, like. Is it up there on this version? Yeah, like. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is not a roaring lion, church. He makes it seem like he's one. And he's prowling, prowling around seeing who's a cell phone zombie who he can devour and who he can change and who he can confuse. And then verse 9 says, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Church, resist the enemy. The Bible says resist the enemy and he will what? He will flee from you. Because he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to get into this one. So I'm going to go around and try to prowl around like a roaring lion and find someone else to devour. Because this one is standing on Jesus. His faith is on the rock. Amen? And I can't take him out, so I'm going to try somewhere else. Because this person's full of the Spirit. Prowls around like, like a baby. Okay, sorry. Like a loser. <laughs> three. Everybody say three. This is the last one. Who resides? This is my question today. Who resides in your house? Remember we talked about temple earlier? Same idea. Who resides in your temple? Who resides in your house? And that's something as believers we need to decide. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. Jesus literally says the, the, in Revelation, guess what it says? It says, be either hot, hot is useful, be either cold, cold water is useful, but lukewarm, if you're that way, if you're in the middle, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And I feel like a lot of us are trying to play the fence. And we're worried. We don't want to offend somebody. We were, we're worried about all sorts of different things. We are in this spiritual battle. It's our flesh versus our spirit. And you know what? Just because demons can't 
possess real believers, guess what they can do? They can influence us. They can help tempt us. They can try to turn our attention away from God. And if we open the door or the window of our house just a little bit, we start letting the junk of the world in. And the enemy's like, yes, I've got my foot in the door. Remember, I remember I used to do that with my siblings. They try to run to their room. I'm the youngest. Can you tell? So I'd be running after them and they could get to the door and I'd put my foot in the door. I'm like, ah, I got it. I, if I can get my foot in the door, I can, I can, I'm pretty strong. I'm small, but I'm strong. Right, Howie? I don't know. Um, I tried to do an arm wrestle with Howie one time. Um, but if you get your foot in the door, you can open the door. And guess what, church? The enemy wants to get his foot in the door, and he will use any means necessary to do that. But guess what? We're not going to let him. We're going to resist him. Look what it says in Luke 11, verse 21. It says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpower him, overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me. This is Jesus. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Listen, the only way we can be strong is to put our faith in Christ. Because it's not by my might, not by my power. It's all about His. We have faith in Him. A lot of temptation in our culture, have you noticed, has to do with sexual things. Have you noticed that? That's where the enemy wants to start. Like, oh, if I can get them in this type of relationship, if I can get them out of this type of relationship, if I can get them looking at this on their phone, oh, I can, I can get them. The world always, the world's always saying, do what feels good. You do you, boo-boo. Right? Have you heard this? I don't know about you, but being in relationship with God feels amazing. His mercies are new every morning. Behold, I do a new thing. Can't you see it? I make rivers through the dry wasteland. I don't know about you, but that's good stuff. That when you have salvation, you go from death to life. You go from being a prisoner in hell to being a free person in the kingdom of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to do. 
and we're living in the end times. And I feel like this is the day for some of you to say, you know what? This is the day I get freedom. From whatever that bondage is, whatever that sin is, whatever that addiction is, whatever that problem is, this is my day. This is my day. And you know what that's called? Faith. That's just like that woman last week we talked about. And Jesus says, you know what? Your faith has healed you. Maybe you've been dealing with it for 12 years. Maybe it's something that came up last year. And you know the Holy Spirit's been knocking at the door. Hey, you don't need this in your life anymore. You don't need this anymore. You need to be a man of God. You need to be a good husband, a good dad. That relationship that you're in that's not official needs to be official. That relationship you're in is not healthy. You need to be out of that one. I'm just trying to talk to everybody in the room. I believe God has a miracle today for you. Who resides in you? Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. We just what we talked about. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. Listen, you remember how people say well, a sin is a sin? Look at this for a minute. Look, all, all other sin is, is a, pers- a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Can we stand for a moment? Yeah, my people who pray with me, come up, please. Because I I feel like this is a prayer moment. Maybe it's not about this sermon today. Maybe there's just something you need prayed for that God wants to heal you. God wants to do something in you. But I want to tell you some good news today. Because some of that's like, Oh man, that's that's totally me, Pastor. I have good news for you today. Today God can give you freedom. Today you can be part of God's kingdom. That you no longer have to walk in darkness. That you can walk in his marvelous light today. And it's just one decision. You call on the name of the Lord you'll be saved. First, first John 4, 4 says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Church, you can be an overcomer not because of yourself, 
but because of Jesus who has overcome the world. By his death on the cross, did he shed his blood for you? That he rose three day, days later to seal the deal, saying, you can now have salvation. You can now have eternity with Christ. You can now have freedom in your daily walk because of what Jesus did for you and for me. So number one, I want to invite you to make Jesus Lord of your life today. What's that mean? That he, he leads your life now. It's no longer you leading. It's not land and leading anymore. It's God leading. That's the first step. Maybe you said, well, I made that decision, Pastor Landon, but I'm still addicted to this. I'm still having struggles with these things. I'm still doing this. Ask God to help you resist those things. Ask God to give you freedom in those things. And you know what? He will today. And the third one, maybe there's a third person in here today where, hey, I'm saved. Hey, I've got freedom, but I'm scared maybe to pray for somebody. I'm scared to walk in that authority that God gave me to heal the sick, to pray for a demon-possessed person, to pray for my family, to stand on the truth every day. So number three, I believe that the prayer is God wants to equip you to do what he's called you to do. Amen.